So we're starting a new series, and the series is called See, Serve, and Speak. And what the series is about, first of all, let me say this. The series is for followers of Jesus. It's primarily aimed at anyone in the room or anyone in our congregation who says, I'm a follower of Jesus. This series is for you. Now, we know that every Sunday we have a bunch of people who haven't decided yet to follow Jesus. And so what we'd ask you to do during this series is listen to see what you can learn about Jesus himself. Because this series is about how do you and I as followers of Christ take that good news to the world, to our coworkers, our neighbors, our, um, our, our, in some cases our families. How do we take that good news? And um, nobody who follows Jesus gets a pass on this. You can do it the way that fits you, but nobody gets a pass. Nobody goes, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, but this idea of sharing the good news, that's not me. Nobody gets a pass. Christianity is a religion that inherent to the faith itself, we have to be sharing our faith. Sometimes people will say, well, why can't Christians just ex- exist in a pluralistic society and leave everybody else alone? No. What the faith means to us forces us to um, be people who share this good news. And so um, uh, the package we're using, the series title is See, Serve, and Speak. And we're going to look at Jesus and we're going to try to emulate how he did this. And it's so funny because in a minute I'm going to talk about Haiti. And this is exactly what John, John and Christie just told us. It's exactly what they did. See, serve and speak. So let, let me tell you what the three mean for just a minute. When we see people, it means we're actually with them. We actually go and be with them. We actually like listen to them. We actually are a hundred percent with them. Sometimes I'm with people. Are you like this? And like I'm like 40 percent there. You know, my wife thinks I'm in the conversation and I'm about 40 percent there. My grandkids think I'm playing with them and I'm about 40 percent there. Right. But when you see someone, that means you're with them a hundred percent. You go back to the neighborhood. You listen to them. You ask them questions. That's what seeing means. And it's exactly what God did in Christ. John 1.14. The word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. So God saw us and his son joined us. And it's called incarnation. Jesus came to be with us. And... uh uh, on Friday morning, I took my car to get fixed to uh, L&M uh, garage, and uh, they fixed my car, and I walk in, and nobody's at the counter, and I look in, and there are three mechanics standing in the, in the garage. I, I don't know if Rod's here this morning, and they're just laughing, belly laughing so hard, and like so much, I wanted to get in there and find out, what are they laughing about? I hope it's not my car, uh, <laughs> but just be there with them, just be there with them. So um, we need to see people, and second, we need to serve people. Mark 10, 45. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. When you open up the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you, you can almost never find a page in the Gospels where Jesus isn't serving somebody. He's healing the blind. He's um, helping the sick. He uh, He's serving the up-and-comer and the down-and-outer. He's serving the rich and the poor. Jesus serves people on almost every page, so he models that. And then this last one. So we need to see people, 
We need to serve people and we need to speak with people. Isaiah 52, 7 says this, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, God's people, your God reigns. Now, I love this series as a church leader. Because if we had entitled it evangelism, most of you would have walked in the room with a cringe like, I'm not going to do evangelism. But what we're talking about is not, it's, it's, it's like you get to be who you are as you bring the good news to your friends and neighbors and acquaintances. Um, sometimes uh, we do it individually. So there's a sense in which John John goes to Haiti and he sees and he serves and he speaks. But there's another sense he gathers people around him and as a community they see and they serve and they speak. And I saw this in spades last week in Grundy Center when um, we were doing this honoring celebration for Mike Brost. And there were a lot of people there. I believe there were probably some non-followers of Christ there because they love Mike and Jen. 150, 200 people come into the room. Why? To see Mike and Jen. Mike and Jen are standing by the doors. We're celebrating their leaving our staff. I mean, we're celebrating the good work they've done. Mike and Jen right by the door and everybody gets to see them and interact with them and be with them and be present. And then I looked around. There's all these people serving. People back in the kitchen who were serving, people who were uh, setting up the tables, people who were finding more chairs because it was an overflow crowd. Everybody serving. And then uh, uh, Brad, who uh, was emceeing the thing, uh, he had an open mic and he said, does anybody have anything they want to speak? And it was so fun. Because like a five-year-old girl comes up and she says, my mom told me, Mike, that you were with her on the worst day of her life when I was life-flighted here. And I mean, see how it works? We're there to be present. People are serving. And then there's a chance to speak. And it's so powerful. I see it in our neighborhood gatherings where we have, I see Adkins sitting here. and A lot of you uh, sponsor neighborhood gatherings where you uh, have the neighbors in. And why do you do that? See, let's get together. Let's know each other. Let's have some time together. Serve. Let's get some food. Let's like find out who has needs in the neighborhood. Who needs help mowing their lawn? Let's find that out. And then speak. And speak in a way that's gentle and kind. So the speaking may be as simple as, hey, let's say a prayer before we uh, eat the hamburgers. Hey, let's uh, tell a couple stories. But see, serve, and speak. This is so important. I see our small groups doing it all the time. See, serve, and speak. John, John, and Christy. We have three months support, so we're going to go to Haiti, and we're just going to see. We're just going to be with people. And you get down there, and there's 12 pastors you find who want to do this thing. So what do you do? You serve them. Right? And while you're serving them, you speak. And then God does amazing things. I've been to Haiti twice recently, and like it's just crazy to me what God is doing. So this works in Haiti, Mozambique. It works in your neighborhood, it works in your workplace, it works as a community, and it works individually. Someone was leaving the thing, uh, the celebration of Mike and Jen Bros last Sunday, and she came up to me and she said this, this is Orchard at its best. We laughed, we prayed, 
we were serious. This is orchard at its best. That's what ought to happen when we share and spread the good news. Now, let me give you the truth right here at the beginning for some of you. Because I don't know what God needs to say to you. Some of us need to speak less. You need to put your emphasis this morning on seeing and being present and serving. Some of us need to speak later. Serve a little more. See a little more. Some of us need to speak up quicker because we miss opportunities. And we need to speak with more uh, boldness and courage. And some of us need to be gentler and kinder. So I went on a run this week. I parked my car in this quiet neighborhood. And uh, it's, it's one place I jump on the bike path. I park in front of the house. And I go for this nice run walk. To be honest, it's a run walk now. Um, you could go walk, 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 a little run, walk, walk, walk. I'm getting back. It's dark. And I'm, I'm going to my car. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's dark. This big guy comes out. And I mean, he's a head taller than me. And he's right in my face. I mean, he's right in my face. I mean, he's right here. I can smell the alcohol on his breath. And he's, well, he's actually right here. Um, and he says, I don't want you parking your car on my street anymore. It makes people afraid. And I don't want you here. Don't be parking here anymore. You, there's lots of places for you to park. Like, I'm like, whoa. And I didn't know what to say. And I'm kind of trying to be a gentler man. And I said, um, tell me more. <laughs> True story. It's the only thing I could think of saying. <laughs> tell me more. So he repeated everything. And he said, you got it? And I just said, okay. And I got in my car and he goes back to his driveway. He's mumbling, well, I'm glad that's taken care of. And I got in my car and I was driving away. And I had this thought. It's the first time I've been bullied in 20 years. And then as a follower of Jesus, well, first of all, I didn't want to respond as a follower of Jesus. I actually wanted to drive back and park in front of his car every day for the next 30 days. And I wanted to invite my friends to park in his neighborhood too. We're going to make it the number one jumping off point on the deal. As a follower of Jesus, I started thinking, I wonder how bad his day was. I wonder what's going on inside him. I wonder if he has a sick kid or a sick wife. And I thought, what's the big deal? I can park down the block. I can park somewhere else. None of us, when we're sharing the faith, want to be a bully. But some of us have been taught to come out of the dark to come as hard as we know how, to use the word, none of us want to be a spiritual bully. None of us do. And that is not what we're talking about here. When I'm going to be talking about the words that we speak, 
My top verse is 1 Peter 3.15. But in your heart, set Christ, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. The word that really caught me all week long was, was is it we're supposed to share? Is, am, am I supposed to share the uh, political stances I've taken because I'm a follower of Jesus? Am I supposed to share what I believe about the Bible? No, what, what does it say to share? The hope that's in us. We live in a world where people are dying for hope. And we get the opportunity to come and see them and serve them in love. And when the opportunity's right, simply speak up and say, I have hope. I have hope. Jesus means something to me. I have hope. Uh, St. Francis of Assisi says this, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Now, it doesn't say if necessary. It says when necessary. So there will be a time. My wife tells me that she prays this prayer often when she's interacting with people. She says, Lord, open their heart. Lord, open the door. Lord, open my mouth. Now, as a church leader, sometimes they come in different orders. Sometimes before I can even see someone or I can even uh, uh, serve them, they're in my office asking a question. A lot of times, the first time I meet someone, they have a question. So then sometimes I have to speak first. It's like I have to help them with some questions they have, and then I get to see them, and then I get to serve them. Often in your world, you'll see people, you'll build relationships, you'll be with them. There's no right or wrong order on this. This is not a formula. This is like let the spirit lead you. Now, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite stories I'll share real quick. John chapter nine. John chapter nine. Uh, we got some of these verses on the slides. As he went along, Jesus, he saw a man born blind from birth. He saw a man. They saw him enough that they were asking questions about him. They were interacting with him. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Then Jesus has an answer. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. This was, uh, he was born, this happened so the work of God might be displayed in his life. Okay, so there's the, the seed. They were seeing the man. They were interacting about the man. They cared about the man. Now here's the serve. Verse six. Having said this, he spit on the ground. He made some mud and saliva. And he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. It's interesting how even Jesus wants people to partnership in the healing and the help. He could have said, I'm just going to make you see. No, he puts mud on so the guy gets to be a part of the solution. Go and wash. Experience some faith here. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now, where's the speaking? Where's the speaking part of this? So we see how Jesus saw. We see how he spoke. And uh, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging said, isn't this the guy who used to sit and beg? Some said, yep, it's him. Others said, no, can't be. But he himself said, yeah, I'm the guy. I've been born blind, and now I see. And his neighbor said, how did this happen? Who, who opened your eyes? And he said, the man they called Jesus. So they brought in the church leaders, the Pharisees, the man who had been born blind, to the man who had been born blind. Now the day on which Jesus had healed the man was the Sabbath. Jesus kept doing that all the time. Therefore, the Pharisees, the church officials, asked him how he had received his sight. 
And he put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the officials said, this man is not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. He doesn't keep our rules. They push the guy. They ask his parents, hey, he's your son, tell us. He goes, they go, no, he's old enough. He can talk for himself. A second time, the officials summoned the man who had been born blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. My favorite sharing verse in all the Bible. John 9:25. the man says. Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. There's the hope. I don't have the answer to every question. I don't know whether he should have healed me on the Sabbath or not. I don't know whether he should have used mud or not. I don't know even whether Jesus is a sinner or not. But he shares the one thing he's certain of. I was blind and now I see. And every Christ follower in this room can do that. You don't need all the answers. You don't need to know what you think about the Old Testament, the New Testament, the book of Revelation. You don't need to know uh, what political stance you need to take on that or this or that because of this. What you need to be able to speak is what has Jesus done for you. He gave me purpose when I was 20 years old. And I saw that a life without purpose was nothing. He walked with me through the near death of my twins. And I felt his presence. What has he done for you? And in a quiet, gentle way, you get the opportunity and the privilege to share it in words. I look at you and I know a lot of your stories. And some of you have amazing things Jesus has done for you. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. The officials threw him out of the church, the temple. Jesus heard they would thrown him out. And then Jesus comes and he says this. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? Tell me so I can believe. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. Where does our sharing need to start and end? Where does the focus need to be? It's on Jesus. It's on Jesus. And then the man says, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Wow. Several things about sharing. Uh, speaking. I just want to uh, quickly go over. We need to be gentle and kind, exhibiting fruit of the Spirit. When speaking... We need to be gentle and kind and exhibiting fruit of the Spirit. Uh, 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 a consulting firm called Metanoia came to Nazareth. Nazareth was having a lot of, uh, Nazareth Lutheran Church was having a lot of uh, infighting, a lot of things when after Homer left. And so they hired a consulting firm to come in. It was Metanoia. They taught me something that in all my years of ministry, no one had ever taught me. They invited 50 families to come in one at a time and talk about the church and say anything they wanted. And uh, I sat in some of those, just listening and watching Metanoia work. And here's the amazing thing they did. It's amazing. They took notes on every family. And then at the end of the meeting, when the family left, part of the time they put the notes in a folder, and part of the time they wadded them up and threw them in the garbage. And they said, Dave, you know how we decide which sheet goes where? Did the family come in the fruit of the Spirit? Did they come exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit? Were they kind and gentle and faith-filled? 
And if they came in the fruit of the Spirit, we want to hear from them. Because God's in it. And if they didn't come in the fruit of the Spirit, but they came in the flesh out of anger, we don't want to hear it. It actually changed the way I do ministry in my office. You obviously know, as a senior leader of this church, I get really good feedback and I get troubling feedback. And so this is kind of a hint. During these transition months, I've had a lot of people come into my office. Some have come in the fruit of the Spirit. Kind. And it doesn't say they're not saying the same hard things. It's not how hard is the message you're delivering. It's what's the tone? What's the, are you coming like the bully? That's not from Christ. Or are you coming in the fruit of the Spirit? Number two, as we share, when we speak, we don't need to know all the answers. Number three, we can tell our story of God's work in us. It's mystical. It's like we don't even know how he did it. You guys, when you tell your story up here, it's like we don't know how God got a university there. We don't know why he's got 500 kids in the elementary school. It surely isn't us. I heard you say last night. There's a mysticalness about it. We keep the focus on Jesus. And we remember the results are up to a living, loving God. The results are up to a loving God. So I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm quite excited about this series for the next three weeks. I'm quite excited. Um, I don't know what God needs to say to you today. He needs to whisper it to you right now or this afternoon or this evening. Some of you need to speak less. Some of you need to speak with more boldness and courage. Some of you need to pray, God, when I'm in the hospital or when I'm at the workplace, or uh, open a door so I know how to share. It's one of the joys and privileges we get. I'm going to uh, pray, and then we're going to continue to worship with a couple songs. Let's pray together. Father, give us great courage. Make us like the blind man for whom Jesus had done a miracle. Because God, every Christ follower in the room, Jesus has done some kind of a miracle. Um, Help us uh, speak up in gentleness and kindness uh, with a miracle, about the miracle you've done. Whether the miracle is, my sins are forgiven and I'm guilt-free. Whether the miracle is like me, I have purpose. Whether the miracle is like, I just sense God's presence, it's so real. Whatever the miracle, help us speak up. Help us be people who see and serve and speak. In Jesus' name, amen.